2: talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there.
4: I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show today. It is the first ever Prevail double episode. That's right. It's a double episode. This is the white album. This is physical graffiti. This is whatever that Smashing Pumpkins album was that was the double album. This is like The Doors' Greatest Hits that's what we're dealing with here today. This is a, an extravaganza in honor of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, 100 days. Actually, today uh, is Friday, therefore, it is 107 days. So we are one week out from Biden Harris, 100 days. I've said it before. This is the best president of my lifetime. I was born in 1972. So let's do a quick survey here. The president in 1972 was, check notes, Richard Nixon. Okay, yeah, no. Followed by Gerald Ford. No. Jimmy Carter, great man, exemplary human. Not a great president, really. Ronald Reagan, Antichrist. H.W., not so bad. Not so bad. Did some things I didn't like, but, you know, pretty good. Bill Clinton, eh, okay, you know, fine. Uh, George W. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Obama, pretty good, other than the last year when he gave us Trump, kind of, and didn't do enough, and now we have the Supreme Court and everything's a big mess. And then, um, who was after Obama and before Biden? I can't remember his name. I can't summon it to my tongue. I think it rhymes with stump. I don't know. Biden, best president of my lifetime. There you go. There you have it. Now, when it comes to writing columns, I know what I'm doing. I know how long it takes. I know what the process is. I can bang these things out three a week. You know, it's what I do. Podcasting, I'm new at this. So one of the challenges I've had is when exactly to record the interviews so that they can be released in a timely manner, because you don't want to record an interview And have a great discussion about something. And then release it a month later when half the stuff you're talking about is no longer relevant. And the 100 days is kind of a big deal. So what happened was I had my friends Joni V and Candidly Tiff on. And we were Kamala people. So we were talking about Kamala. We were talking about Biden. We were talking about all the good stuff so far. We were looking back at the campaign and and our feelings as all that stuff kind of went on. Really fun conversation. And then a week later, I recorded an interview with Jennifer Reitman, who's the founder and publisher of Dame Magazine, which has uh, allowed me to write a couple pieces for them. Great magazine, by the way. DameMagazine.com. Check it out. Anyway, and then we were talking about Biden Harris stuff. And I thought, I really like both of these things and I don't want to wait. And then I thought, my God, we'll just release them. At the same time, it's not like I'm on a network show where like the episode has to be 24 minutes to have time for the ads or this or that. I'm in charge here. There's no time limit. I can do whatever I want. And, you know, people might like it. They might, they might not. I don't know. We're experimenting. We're figuring it out as we go along. Because again, I am a columnist. The podcast format thing is new to me. And I'm figuring it out as I go along. And I appreciate you guys listening to me and helping me out and supporting me as I figure it all out. So anyway, I don't want to talk too long at the beginning because we have two great interviews and I want that to occupy the bulk of the space here. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Jennifer Reitman of Dame. Then we're going to take another break. And then we're going to come in with Joni V and Candidly Tiff you can follow them on Twitter. Joni is at JoniV, V-E-E-1, and Tiff is tify Y three three zero. This is a good show. I'm excited. Okay, get the speakers ready. It's double album time
0: right now. My name is Maria. When I live in USA, I had lots of boyfriends and also lots of guns. One boyfriend was, how you say? Big cheese of Republican Party. I was very popular. I went to many parties. I also shooted many guns. But that will end when i went been to prison for crime I not commit. Now, I'm big into my native Siberia, where I cannot shoot at guns and cannot meet at boys. Join me. Every Monday, on my new podcast about conservative, gun lover, Russian felon looking for love in all wrong places. It's called swipe Left, Vote Right with Maria Butina. Play subscribes on iTunes and Stitchers. Спасибо.
4: Okay, my friend Jennifer Reitman, founder, publisher of Dame magazine is here. Hi, how are you?
2: Hi, so happy to be here. Um, so happy to be here.
4: Yeah, we're it's it's like Zoom, it's spring, it's we're hundred days into Biden as we're recording this. I think it's day 101. So yeah. we're we're safely in the three digits now. It's good, it's good. I've written a couple pieces for Dame, which 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 have been great, and you've been very good to me. Um yes, we
2: need more. Uh, right, for us, I please. will, I will, I promise.
4: Um, Dame is terrific. And f- before we get started, why don't you just talk? I know you, you said before we, we recorded, like, I don't want to plug shit, which is fine, <laughs> but I feel like people listening should go check out the website. It's really good. Of so course. tell us so, a little bit about Dame, what it is, how it was founded, with the impetus, all that kind of
2: stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Dame has been around forever. DameMagazine.com is a news and issue site that seeks to basically create gender equality in journalism. So we are a hundred percent run, edited, bylined with the exception of Greg, you and a couple other a couple other men we let in uh, <laughs> by women. and 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 that's really, you know, the purpose of that is to ensure that the lens and the angle and the narrative accurately reflects 51% of the population. We have a media landscape that um, is pretty, predominantly uh, white and male. And my goal is to balance that out a little bit. Only uh, 11% of all media outlets are owned by women, 11%. Um, so, so you know, that's why Dame exists. And I founded it really as a counterbalance more than anything else, uh, just to make sure that there were Women's media platforms, digital outlets that weren't just lipstick and fashion and and could actually dig pretty deep into uh, the topics and issues that we face. So, yes, com, go look. Great. We're yeah, done with yeah. that now.
4: Okay, no, you guys, it, it it really is a great a great magazine, a great website, and I'm 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 honored to be an honorary woman for the for the website. I feel <laughs> I feel very very special about that. You you said that the media is run by predominantly white men. It's run by predominantly dumb white men. I think you could add that also because yeah. there's so many just takes that are uh, just especially now that. Biden has been president and we can see, and the media is starting to do the thing that it usually does, which is take cheap hits and easy hits at democratic presidents. It's really easy to see just how fucking stupid some of these people are. Well, the
2: takes are, um, I don't know who that, you know, 90% of the takes I see, particularly a certain Twitterati, leftist, they they really don't like him and and they their takes are um, I don't know who they're serving I'll just leave it at that I don't know who they're writing for I had Eric
4: Bollert on who writes yeah, who uh, yeah. I uh, yeah
2: who I just I literally worship the ground he walked on
4: <laughs> he's fun he he we had a good time and he. He said, basically, the Beltway media for years and years is operated by the principle of what are Republicans angry about today?
2: Yeah, like literally we cater. It is, it's truly dumbfounding to me. You can imagine, based given what I do for a living, how I read the (laughs) traditional D.C. Beltway press and I go, what? What are you, literally, what are you talking about? It is so... I don't understand it, to be honest. It's so incredibly deferential to Republicans. It's so ass kissy. It's so um, let's let's coddle and assuage and make sure they all are understood and heard. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I truly don't get it. I mean, I think, I think logically I get it, right? Um, but from a, hey, I do the same thing too standpoint, I don't get it. It,
4: it's know. And then the, the main Republican talking point now is cancel culture, which makes it even <laughs> more course. ironic. It's like, okay. what the okay. actual fuck? You, you know, can't, no one is canceling you, Josh Hawley. Yeah, no, you're, you're, no. It's the opposite.
2: You we, wrote, we could cancel you, frankly. You're still here. <laughs> yeah. No, no, the cancel culture thing is, it's sort of extraordinary to me. One of the things I was thinking about before we got on today was, was hypocrisy, right? Just yeah. like literally hypocrisy. And I think one of the things that has made me batty, just l- literally made me batty for, let's call it five years, even though it's been around for so long, is is the hubris of their hypocrisy. Yeah. They're, just, they're just, we don't care. We don't care. We're literally going to do this thing and then claim, you know, that, that the Democrats are doing it, or Biden is doing it, or it's cancel culture, or it's, you know, any number of, of catchphrases they've come up with. The hypocrisy, I think, is the thing I can't. I, I just can't.
4: It's, yeah, woke is another one. Yeah. Um, socialist, um, Biden is communist. China, Democrats are communism. They just Marcus put the word communism that. in there. They have no fucking idea what it means, and they know that the people listening have no idea what it means. And that's their
2: latest is Desantis. I saw a clip of him the other day, and I guess their latest is Marxists. We're Marxists mm. now. Is that is that our latest ism?
4: I mean, I are, are, are Carl or Groucho <laughs> or Harpo <laughs> or which which Marx are we? Is really yeah. is really the thing?
2: It's, you know, it's the <laughs> socialism thing. My mother, I think, as you know, is from Sweden. Born and raised in Sweden, immigrated to America. I speak Swedish fluently. We, we, you know, I spent half my life. Oh my
4: god, you are going to have to speak Swedish before this is over. People, okay.
2: people in Sweden do listen to this podcast. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Good morning. Um, <laughs> and the the socialism thing in particular gets to me as a as a half Swede who is very exposed to what actual social democracy is. And um, and what life looks like with you know government's su- true government support, right? It, it is so absurd the way that they have tried to define you know Biden's big government as socialism, or you know prior, of course. But but it, it just it doesn't even compare. And also, by the way, what's so wrong with what they do in Sweden? It's pretty good, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's like it's not so bad. 90% of the people in Sweden have a summer house, right? You've got 6 to 8 weeks off vacation. You have paternity leave for 12 to 18 months. It's it's not terrible. But but the, the it's so it's all for Fox News ratings. Right. Every single thing they say and do before Trump was for the Rush Limbaugh, right-wing radio, Fox News watching audience. That's it. That's their entire platform. That's it, as far as I can tell. I mean, show me, you know, policy.
4: No, you're not right. They have no policies. They haven't had policies in years and years. But I can't remember the last time. And that's the problem with the country, because one of the two political parties has not proposed serious policies about anything since, I don't know, Newt Gingrich was speaker. Like, when was the last time they actually came up with shit and and Bush tried.
2: Maybe. I'm guessing Bush, right? Or when Romney ran, you know, and McCain ran, sure they had proposals, right? Yeah, it yeah. was it was trying to come from a place of, you know, whatever, their small government, lower taxes, no no uh restrictions on on uh, corporations. But now, you know, it's the it's the what's her name, Lauren Boer Boebert. I can't yeah, and, Bober. And Taylor Green and, and Holly and Cruz and, you know, that's the party. That's the party.
4: I'm hoping that it's not. I'm really it. It's such a strange world in that I am rooting for Liz Cheney, like really a lot because
2: <laughs> we don't I, deserve this. Right. Like <laughs> we now find ourselves in a position where like, oh, yes, Liz Cheney came out and said something. Yeah. You know or or um, Kinziger right
4: like oh yeah well he is a Democrat I mean he doesn't realize it yet but he is yeah <laughs> I know. I know I know
2: well maybe Mansion Kinzinger to trade I don't know. I, yeah. uh.
4: <laughs> they have no policies they have no talking points they have no nothing and they haven't for such a long time that we've forgotten even what it looks like I was watching the the address which is now this week as we're recording this and by the time you listen will be farther in the future but listening to the address, that Biden gave to Congress. And when I watch stuff like that, really, I'm listening to it thinking, All right, what if I'm like somebody listening to this in rural West Virginia or something who isn't interested in politics, quote unquote, doesn't really mm-hmm. care, maybe who liked Trump. I mean, what exactly did Biden propose that anybody would find objectionable? Like, we're going to bring jobs to you, we're going to bring you broadband. Hey, We gave you the vaccine. We gave you money. We're giving you this, 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 and this. And this is how we're going to pay for it. And it's not going to be you unless you're making more than $400,000 a year, which, by the way, you're not. And then. He says, we're going to have clean water and we're going to have this and that. And then it cuts to like Mitch McConnell and Ted Cruz just rolling their eyes and not clapping. Now, in Mitch McConnell's case, I think if he if he claps his hands, the purple will come back That's and maybe he'll right. injure himself.
2: They, they explode a little bit because yeah. they're so full of fluid.
4: Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, they they cut to Romney and you feel like Romney's maybe supposed to be the most responsible one. And he's not. He's yeah. just a, he, he's a vulture capitalist guy who made his living foreclosing on people and just scumbag kind of things. And uh, but again, at least at least Romney, say what you will about Romney. Remember when General Motors was going bankrupt during the the kind of the run up to the Obama-Romney yeah, election sure, sure, sure. and Romney said, "Well, we should let it go bankrupt, and we should do the things that you do in bankruptcy law, and let everything take care of itself." Right. That's a perfectly reason. That's that. That is a position. It's a, it's yeah. a position that is defensible and is grounded in some sort of ideology. So, good for you, Mitt Romney. Unfortunately, that position is also completely divorced from how it will impact people, like real people, how
2: people's right. lives, right,
4: definitely impacted. By yeah. letting that shit go. You
2: can't let that. You can't, no. you just can't. The you know, it's funny, I do the same thing, right, that you do. So I listen obviously listen to the address, and you know, when he's talking about the middle class built America and unions built the middle class, right? And to mm-hmm. your point, if you're in Peoria, Illinois, or you're in, you know, Sacramento, California, or or upstate New York, or any any sort of not even excerpt, but, but more rural area, there isn't a thing in that talk that he gave, in that speech, yeah. that didn't immediately address their concerns. Absolutely. It immediately say, I see you, you're not gonna get left behind. Yes, we have you know incredible issues with racism in this country, and yes, we have to solve policing, but I know you're part of this country too right yeah. all of these the, the the sort of the the folks that the current republic elected republicans stoke grievances create grievances frankly for them imagine if republicans spent their time instead of fanning the flames every minute of every day with ideological nonsense and said look you have real problems i understand you have real problems you have financial challenges you have uh, you know, we know you have, have drug drug epidemic issues. Um, we know loss of jobs. We know that things are modernized. Imagine if they just said, and I understand that. Right. And so I'm going to work with the president to figure out things that balance life for you. So you feel also a part of this country. That's what Biden was saying.
0: Yeah.
2: And it It is astonishing to me. I I often think to myself, this is such a goofy thing. I often think to myself, why do they want to be elected? Do you ever think this? Like, I, why does Ted Cruz want to be there? Go be a lawyer. Like, go make a half a million dollars a year at some big six firm as an attorney. Why are you a senator? What, what, you don't care about people. You don't, it, it is, it's baffling to me absolutely baffling that the public service part of being an elected representative when it comes to republicans is not part of their equation it just it's power and ideology
4: yeah and 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 there isn't really much ideology anymore apart from you know kill you all to own the list
2: right 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 i mean when i say ideology i don't mean lower taxes, corporations as individuals, uh, you know, deregulation. I mean, ideology, like we want to go into nursery schools and pack heat on the hips of toddlers. (laughs) Like I don't, you know, like what on earth do these people want? So anyway, I mean, they want power.
4: I mean, but but not just, not just the power that comes with being a Senator. I mean, what's happening now is we saw post insurrection is that th- this is a a political party that is anti democratic they are yeah, for gosh, they I'm are literally. for authoritarianism and a, a ted cruz or a josh hawley or a ron johnson or whoever else tom cotton these guys most of them are guys um Marcia blackburn is not a guy but you know most of them are men uh, as we discussed at the beginning they, they envision a Russia-like system mm-hmm. where they are both in political power and can also enrich themselves on the side Right. make right. millions and millions, right. like, unfathomable amounts of money by being able to make money on b- legal bribes and gaming the system. That's what they want. They mm-hmm. want things to go in that direction so that they can just be, you know, lords of all that they survey. And the fact that so many of them have issues with women where they're... You know, they're either cheating on their wives or they're involved with Epstein or they're uh, in the case of Matt Gates, you know, going to high schools and proms and whatever he's doing. And, and in the extreme cases, raping people who yeah. are underage um, children, you know, that is about power. Ultimately, it's about uh, them course, saying, course, I yeah. am better than all of you. Fuck you. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's who they are deep down. And I don't know if it comes from a place of deep insecurity. I mean, you take you look at Ted Cruz and you look at Josh Hawley and you look at Tucker Carlson. These are guys that had the shit kicked out of them in boarding school or whatever. They they absolutely did. And is this their revenge now on
2: everyone? I don't know. I mean, look, there are a whole lot of neural nerds in the United States. And there's plenty of them that are inventing technology instead. Right? right, like yep, yep. Th- there are other paths than authoritarianism. It's interesting that you bring up the olig- the the Russia analogy and the oligarchy thing. We d- we published a piece during the Trump term uh, by the brilliant Paula Lee, amazing amazing writer. She's just a great thinker. Uh, America is an oligarchy, right? Mm-hmm. And she she basically goes through you know all of the examples that that were prior to Trump, right? In in how we are set up to be an oligarchy in so many ways, it's just that our political system hasn't been overturned uh, in the way it was, you know, for Russia. And so it's there's this huge. I, I've sort of perceived this thing lately. Sorry, I'm, I'm jumping to another topic. No, no, but, jump. But but it, but it dovetails with with this notion of of you know the risk of authoritarianism there's this really heavy sigh of relief, right? Everybody, it's palpable. People feel like, Oh my God, you know, dodge that. And we're so still on the precipice. Oh my God. I mean, sure. We got a a 30 second reprieve and we were able, it's like we're running this marathon and someone handed us a cup of water so we could just, you know, replenish for a second. But the reality is, between the voter restriction, forty-seven states, forty-seven states are attempting to to pass voter, new voter restrictive laws. The you know that clown posse that we've got, <laughs> the Taylor Greens and Cruz and all of them, they're working overtime, right? They're gonna they're gonna go on Tucker every night and continue to keep people angry and fired up and misled and ill informed. And so while I appreciate that we all needed a break, I think we're in as dangerous a time as we were on January 19th. Yeah,
4: right? no, you're you not know? wrong. I mean, and I've been saying this basically since then. I, When Biden was, when he won and then again when he was sworn in, my initial, I, it wasn't joy. It was right. Uh, the analogy that i gave is i feel like um tom hanks in castaway when he's rescued from the island and he's staring at the plate of fish and he's just he has the electric lighter uh-huh. and he's just clicking it on and off like that's what i feel like like i can't okay we yeah. made it back but nothing is the same now everything nothing is different is and those of us who have been in the trenches and really covering this and you know with an eye towards what's going on know it and recognize it and mm-hmm. it's not the time to shy away and i don't feel like I mean, obviously a lot of people have tuned out, but I do feel like people know in general, there are enough people that, that seem to know, maybe some of the media slowly are catching on. I, maybe not. I mean, it's
2: you're so, generous. you're you know, so generous
4: that I, I, I don't even know why I said that. I'm going to edit that out.
2: The- <laughs> I mean, Listen, some of the media for sure, independent media, for sure, without yeah. question. Right. But you know,
4: Chuck it, it, Todd hasn't realized. <laughs> oh, my God. He doesn't even know how to get a good haircut. The, yeah. the, you know, he, can't, he hasn't even figured that basic skill out. You're on TV. You're surrounded by people that can make you look good, and that's what you show up to work. Get a break day. Day. Not yeah. to be petty, yeah. but, the, the you know. The Bellway
2: Press, I don't think. And, and, you know, the sad thing is, Greg, that I will say there are tons of amazing reporters, right? Yes, absolutely. They, they are unbelievably, um, unbelievably talented incredible reporting it is the it's the more traditional punditry that i'm not talking about the the reporters that have dug deep into you know the trump cabal i i'm not talking about those i'm talking about sort of the traditional you know cover the white house cover congress talking head style you're talking
4: about chris saliza that's what you're talking about you're talking about Chris Saliza, mm-hmm. Ezra Klein, like these people that are just really milk yes,
2: and right. just don't. It's 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 hair on fire still. And mm-hmm. let's and it's there was a great video a while ago, um, and I God I can't remember who did it about the predilection of the media to sort of this is fine, right? To mm-hmm. be in the this is fine, like that the old world of. You can't be overly animated on television. You can't use hyperbolic language. The what we need, frankly, is like the way everyone was in shock during 9-11 yeah. on the air, and and you know it, it's this sort of like the you know the banality of of um, of all of it. It's not banal. It's it's crisis. We're in a crisis, yes. and until. Until that trickles down to the casual viewer or casual reader at the local level, I don't know. I don't know. The one thing I can say
4: is the president, President Biden, yes, understands that we're in crisis. He absolutely fucking gets yeah. it. And I, yeah. and I think it's been a pleasant surprise, honestly. I know he was going to be good, but I'm really kind
2: of blown away by how good he uh, is. I, I am... You know what what one of the things my favorite thing is to see people on Twitter going, wow, he's so much better than I thought he was gonna be. Yeah. Like I was okay and I voted for him and I thought he'd be fine. But I love seeing people really sort of thrilled at what he's doing. And I, you know, look, you gotta have an ego to run for president. There's no quite, you know, Joe Biden for, for all of his kindness and empathy. And I think he is truly, genuinely a very decent, good man. I agree. But he also has an ego. And um, you don't run for president if you're not concerned about your legacy. I just think that that's the reality. Right. And yeah. I think I think President Biden went into this after failed attempts, after, you know, of being vice president. I think he went into this and said, yeah, I'm going to do some shit. This is my shot. I'm, I'm an old man and I'm going to do all the things that make people's lives better. And and that's not to say, look, I don't want a perfect guy and I don't have an expectation of a perfect guy. He's not a celebrity. He's not an actor. He's not, you know, I think it's okay to criticize him, but, but, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm I am so proud of my vote for him yeah. because I think he really has risen to the occasion plus he's got Kamala. So
4: I Well, mean, yeah. Yeah. We know, know we, know. I we know.
2: know. You and I you and I could do an entire <laughs> show just dedicated to our love of Kamala.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But I, and and she's secretly I think in the background. I think she's very influential in what he's doing and how it's implemented. And yeah. not just her. I think I think one of the strengths of Biden as a leader which is how leaders should be, is that he listens to people and takes the good ideas and that's what mm-hmm. he does. It, that's why Bernie isn't a dick to him, even though Bernie is addicted literally everyone else yeah. that he's ever yeah. met. He'll he's okay. Do you see at the at the um at the address twice Bernie went went in for the hug? I, I was I like, it. Wow,
2: Bernie, Bernie's it. going for the hug. Look well, at that I mean, twice. Been, apparently they're they've been, if I have this right, they've been friends for a long time. but yeah. like, they actually yeah. genuinely have an affection for each other.
4: Yeah. But he's, uh, you know, he takes, the yeah, he said of the speech, $15 an hour, you know, he's, he's, yeah. these things are, are, are being thrown out there. And a lot of the progressive stuff comes from, from Kamala. Some of it, you know, comes from Warren, I guess. And, and so, so he's, and, and Buttigieg, who, who yeah. I think is, is a star in the making and yeah him being in charge of transportation during this infrastructure thing is going to,
2: it's great it's going to be great. super
4: visibility for him. Yeah. And, uh, when that guy goes on Fox News, I usually hate all that crap. I can watch that. I just <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. I love it. So getting back to what we're talking about um, with the media. Yeah. Last week, whenever it was, the Department of Justice came out with a memo that that said that Konstantin Klimnick, who was Manafort's dude, yeah. actually got when he got the polling data. Yep. In fact, give it to Russian intelligence in Moscow. And everyone on the media who reacted to the story was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And it's like, why the fuck have you been like he is a intelligence. He's a Russian intelligence officer. It said that in volume five. And Mueller basically said it. So we've known this for years, literally years. He was given polling data by the campaign chair of the Trump campaign do you think he's just going to put it in a box and hide it in his closet? <laughs> oh, like it's that you. thing from the Justice League movie and Cyborg? No! The in- Russian intelligence officer is going to give the intelligence to the intelligence guy that are his bosses. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. It's his job. And the media's like, well, uh, and it's, <laughs> I, I can't, it's, it, it's almost like how much more obvious can it be? This is like one of those Wheel of Fortune things where everything's there, and they're like, I'd like to buy a vowel, and you're watching at home, and you're just like, oh, come on. You're like throwing <laughs> stuff at the TV, like, solve the puzzle, man. What's wrong with that?
2: Yeah, you? I mean, it, but it's that credulity. It's, it, it's sort of, that's what I mean about it being sort of banal, like, oh, we'll just cover this. No, be, light your hair on fire. Be hysterical for a minute, because it is the thing that will cause America to fail from a, from a democracy standpoint. I think, you know, I don't know. To (laughs) me, the challenge with the way that the media covers is, is that it's a little too erudite in some ways, right? Like, I sort of want things to be dumbed down for people a little bit because the average person is not sitting reading the New York Times and following every single aspect of no. Russian interference, and you know is not like us in the in the you know listening to everything and reading everything. And so, if they would themselves just digest the information as a consumer, I think you would see different coverage, right? So, no. like one of the things that Dame my approach because I'm not an editor or a journalist, right? I am just a reader. I'm a consumer. And every story that we assign and every piece that comes in, I think to myself, okay, I'm not looking at this from the lens of being the publisher or the founder. Does a reader care about this? And does a reader understand it, right? Is this something they can go on and talk about? And I think what happened, what I think has happened a little bit with the with the Russia situation is that it's very complex. It's incredibly complex.
4: Yes. Yep.
2: And so for the, the average news consumer who's working maybe two jobs, you know, they're going to get one headline and not really understand the nuance of it. So there's a lot
4: of, there's a lot of characters too. And I wrote about this in in my, but this has been a problem in journalism in general for a long, (laughs) long time. It's it's not, this is yet unique to this time period. I remember in high school, I was writing a paper about or something about, I think Iran ran Contra and I was trying to do research about it. And because the stories coming out are only about what's happening in the moment, it was very right. difficult to really get a, like a big picture sense yeah. of what the fuck was actually happening. And, you know, they didn't do it then and they did an even worse yeah. job of it now. Yeah. And I mean, that's basically what I have done in the last four years. My role in this whole thing, I think, is, to is, piecing. is piecing it together and saying, yep. here are seven news stories, and this is how they relate.
2: Yep. And that's and- how I found you, because you you helped me understand a lot of it. And I was like, oh, this, this guy is smart. This guy's good. Because you made the information accessible and easy to digest, as opposed to trying to figure, oh, wait, didn't I read about that guy? And, you know, it it just, there's so many dots that need connecting and, and yeah, that is your role. And and I think you've done a really good job of that. Thank you.
4: The, the, uh, it's hard, it's hard to, to put it all together. I mean, I make jokes too. I'm allowed to make jokes and I can swear and swear I can make weird movie references and stuff to get people to, to, to grasp. But, um, you know, it's really a crazy thing. And it's it's one of the failures of the media. And it's easier, I think, to just have somebody go on TV and shout about some dumb right. thing that happened today and right. get angry about it than to actually analyze what goes on. Rachel Maddow is actually pretty good at this, too. Like, it, 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 Rachel Maddow is, the, is probably of all of the whatever you want to call those people, the anchors. Yeah. Um, the best at, at connecting the dots and, and doing these narrative. I can't watch the stuff; it moves too slow for me. I feel like it's, it's like I'm reading a YA book or something. I'm like, I can't. You know, yeah, this isn't for me. She,
2: I think she does a phenomenal job of. She does great context, right? Yeah. She yeah. does really good. You know, if she were writing this stuff, it would be incredible narrative journalism, right? So she gives sort of you know, almost like a lawyer. She gives that very sort of inverted pyramid kind of like, okay, here's the big picture and now we're going to break it down into all of the bits. Mm-hmm. So you can yeah. understand it. We would bet, we would all benefit from a l- many, many more uh, Rachel Maddow's in that regard. I think.
4: Yeah, no, uh, definitely. But even she seemed, you know, was surprised with this killing thing. It. It's, you know, guys, it's, he is a Russian asset he yeah, Been He has involved no. with the KGB since the eighties yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. The evidence yeah, is all there. We have KGB people saying, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <know, laughs> it. I don't know what else we need. The bank space,
2: Like, yeah, I was in the bank.
4: Yeah. You <laughs> know, it, it's Trump tower was basically a, a, a station house for the goddamn FSB for wow. and the Russian mafia crossover uh, for years. Like I, what more do, do yeah. you need? And I, I don't know if people just don't want to believe it or if it's just too ridiculous to understand or what, I mean, And it's no collusion. I know that collusion doesn't have like a legal definition and this and that, but like the chair of the Trump campaign.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Gave data to a Russian intelligence officer who gave it to Russia. Yeah. Which then
2: helped the I mean that that that's collusion to me. I I don't know. Imagine if in 2015, heading into 16. McConnell or Graham stood up and did their job as Americans and said, look, we have a real problem with our election right now. And called out Trump, right? Beyond like he's a phony and he's a fake, whatever Lindsey Graham said about him. And worked with the Obama White House and the Obama um, Department of Justice and the Obama Intelligence Departments. That guy, he would have never gotten in. I actually have a question for you. Okay. Speaking of Russia, do you think? Do you think anything ever comes of it? Do you think anybody goes to jail, I or think do you think anybody gets held to account? I
4: think the fate of the nation sort of depends on it, and right. it's not—it's too early to tell. Merrick Garland—I had Glenn Kirshner, you know, the thirty-year yeah, federal yeah, prosecutor yeah, yeah. Who, who trained with Mueller. Yeah, and knows his shit. I asked him that. Yeah. No, when, when do we worry? Okay. When yeah. do we start worrying that these guys are going to win? And he said, not yet. And he talked about Merrick Garland. Mm-hmm. This is not a guy who is going to leave being on the bench on the D.C. Circuit to just push paper around, and you know, he he's there to do some things, right. and he's only been there for a pretty short period of time. That place, God knows what Bar, what Bill Barr did wow. to it. It's we been eviscerated. Yeah. He had to figure all the shit out. He has the insurrection that's happening, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the top priority and should be before they started to go backwards in time and, and roll up the Trump people. There's a lot of criminality going on. What it looks like to me is they've arrested and detained a lot of people involved with the insurrection and they're building the case from the bottom up like it's a, you know, like it's an organized crime mm-hmm. investigation, which it is as they go up the food chain, they're going to get like Roger Stone was definitely involved with that. You know, Mo yeah. Brooks, the congressman and Bo yes. Burt, these guys, they, uh, Holly, these people were involved, Ted Cruz, they mm-hmm. were involved. Mm-hmm. So what exactly happens? I don't know. But as that as they move up the chain, we are going to see more and more people, you know, I think fall into the crosshairs of justice. Mm-hmm. This week, as we're as we're taping this, Rudy Giuliani's comms were taken. The FBI or uh, or whoever went in and bust uh, did a search of his uh, his various properties and found I don't know what, a bunch of smelly cigars and
2: I don't know what. <laughs> I wish I knew what. I hate that I have like. I mean, my my Schadenfreude is you know on forty seven, right? Of course, <laughs> and you know you just like someone said to me someone out said like, oh, he, you know, he probably erased everything. I'm like, that dude was texting reporters. Give me a break. Inadvertently texting reporters and like sharing his passwords to things. He didn't delete anything. You know, he's so bumbling that I don't, I don't feel like he's smart enough to have lost anything. But Yeah, I'm real good with Ruby going down. He's a horrible person, a horrible, horrible, horrible,
4: and he always has been. The 9-11 thing was complete. I mean, I I don't even want to get off on a tangent on this, but he fucked up certain things that made 9-11 worse and made many more firefighters and first responders die and get sick. It's all his fault. And the fact that when he was like wandering around the city, which looked great on TV. It was because he didn't listen to literally every other person that was there saying, do not put the, the emergency management office in the world trade center. And he's like, no, no, no. We wanted to be close to city hall or yeah. who the fuck knows why he actually yeah. did it. But Please uh, bear with
2: I, I am so delighted by that, by his um, being served a warrant and, and having his offices and that uh, Victoria tensing, And Mm. all of those, uh, all of those people, please, please let something happen.
4: Well, they're, they're, they're all scumbags. And the Ukraine stuff is, it's all mobbed up there. It's all oligarchs, quote unquote, who are sort of criminals in their own way, boosting money out of the country. And we talked before about um, the piece in Dame and um, the American oligarchy. The way the, the reason that it's not yet an oligarchy is it, it, the way that it works in Russia is the corruption is so pervasive that all the branches of government are, are corrupted. Nothing works right. None of the institutions hold. It's everybody stealing. They're all trying to steal from the government, from the tax base, taking bribes, stealing from one another, and then getting the money out of the country, just like a very large scale bank robbery that's what these people have done. That's what Putin has done. Putin right. has many billions of dollars, possibly as much as a trillion dollars saved, squirreled away, not Elsewhere. in Russia. Yeah, Elsewhere, because yeah. what the fuck are you going to buy there? How many dachas can you own? You know, <laughs> how many how many fur hats and, and and bottles of shitty vodka can you get? Um, no, they need the money to be outside of the country. They did the same thing in Ukraine. That's not happened here yet. The tax cuts that that the Republicans give. Are a way of stealing. If you think about it in that way, like right, of course, the, of the course. fucking media assholes are framing Joe Biden. By the way, as Robin Hood, like that's a Robin Hood thing, like he's you know taking stealing from the rich and giving it. The, it's like it's not Robin Hood. This is like he's going to get something that was stolen from us, yeah. which is what yeah. those tax cuts are. The Bush tax cut um, yep. during during the the wars, which should have not happened because the fucking wars needed to we be paid. There was a war, yeah. You can't be like, "Hey, we're going to spend a trillion dollars on a war that we don't need to have, and also we're going to cut taxes and and lose a trillion dollars of revenue." You can't fucking. I'm not. A, I'm not great at math anymore, but I'm pretty sure that that the math there is but the math on
2: that doesn't work.
4: no. And then we're paying interest on the, these loans and stuff. which yeah. By the way, this is all stuff that, r- that Republicans and you know traditional conservatives and uh, are supposed to actually care about. Which of course they yeah, don't. Yeah, they don't. They don't is, fucking yeah. care. They have no platform. They don't, they they don't care. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's a joke. So they are stealing in that way, but mm-hmm. and, and you know, maybe they're doing things that are being briby or in the, in the fuzzy area, but it isn't a situation yet, I don't think where Right. Ted Cruz can say to a business, "Hey, I'm going to give you guys this government contract and you're going to give me half the money." Like we can't that's illegal. He can't do right. that yet.
2: I also sometimes think I, this is so This isn't right. This isn't an accurate thing, Um, because if you compare it relative to other countries. But I often think like America also is so big. We have so many people Yeah. that, you know, and we have a different structure based on state and local and what have you. It it, it feels also more difficult, just generally more difficult to get to the point that Russia is at based on. Population layers of government, diversity uh, of economy, d- diversity of economy. Exactly, like we're not just making steel and vodka, right? right. Um, <laughs> it it just it feels it's not to say it doesn't happen, but it happen it would happen in a different way. And I think you really have to get. I think had Trump been reelected, or let me rephrase that, had he stolen a second election, yeah. Um, I think we would have been well on our way, right? Oh
4: no, the, the country would be over. It, it, yeah. it would be over. Yeah. There's no, yeah. there's no way that yeah. we would survive. It would be a, you know, that's it. There's a. We have not had. It was I good said, while it lasted, right? <laughs> we had not had, and I said this six months ago. We have not had a functional federal government in four years. Nope. nope. I said when Biden comes in, it's amazing what a functional federal government can do with something like. Right. Sending vaccines. Out.
2: Vaccines to everybody.
4: Yeah. And, you know, I was right. I hate to I hate to not not to toot my own horn here. But yeah. And he's exceeded my expectations. I think not only is it functional, they're really fucking good. He they're, brought in good doomed. people.
2: I, I feel like they sit around and go, OK, shit, we got three years and two months left like chop chop what are we going to do not now? even
4: that long cuz they have the midterms they have God. to win the midterms God. Oh, God. No, maybe I, I think probably they will by the time it's not even that far in the future really by the time that rolls around the economy is going to be up all the all all of this infrastructure stuff is going to be in place yeah the the jobs that are going to happen and be created by the infrastructure alone are going to be there you're going to you're going to vote against that and right. I, I don't know
2: I mean, look, uh, I think it was Ollie Velscher who was interviewing, I don't know the guy's name from Moody's the other day. And and Ollie was asking him about the economy, right? And and basically asking the guy from Moody's, like, why is it so good? Why is it suddenly by by the way, let's not not remind people how Trump and the Republicans told all of us that the market would crash and the economy would be in the shitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Moody's guy basically was like you know, vaccines are out, promise of infrastructure bill, people like Biden, uh, the pandemic is starting to slow. So I think you're absolutely right in the, you know, however many months we have left until the midterms. Mm -hmm. um, I think our biggest challenge is going to be the voter restrictive laws. How much of that do they get enacted before 2000, uh, before the midterms? and how do we get people exhausted from four years,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the previous four years exhausted from the previous midterms, which were hard won? How do we get them enthusiastic about turning out when you can't really run around going, look, if you don't go, it's all going to happen all over again, which is true. We yeah. know that. Um, but that's not a great motivator for turning people out. Right. Yeah. But it is for a certain faction. I think for my universe, my network, they are very hair on fire people, um, and so they're gonna, you know, they're go, they're gonna vote because they want to protect the hard one. I mean, you know, I said the other day to a friend of mine, I'm like, they just can't win again. Like, we just can't let Republicans win ever. Well,
4: again. if we, if we, if we get rid of this filibuster or, or figure out some way to pass the HR one without, you know, by bypassing that, it, cinema. that will solve most of the problems so because you're yeah. right you're absolutely right the voting thing is the big the supreme court yeah. is another problem but if we can want put sh- the supreme court composition oh, yeah, is another it. problem but if we can get stuff that we want on the floor of the senate and force it to vote there's a lot of things we can do dc statehood for one you know bring on puerto rico if they want it guam
2: if they want it
4: yeah let's split split california in two let's do it
2: uh <laughs> no 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 Leave my state alone. We're good. We're good. Big like every this.
4: time I try to meddle with some other some other territory that doesn't. Have, I had a thing where um, I had a guest on It was talking about the United States of Canada and how the U.S. and Canada yeah. might merge. May, boy, the Canadians want no part
5: it
2: of it. You know, don't bring your trash up here, people. Yeah. They want right? to keep us out. Is what they want to do. Yeah, we, we <laughs> see what you're doing down there. You keep your you keep your stuff away from us.
4: So um, incredibly, we're almost already out of time. Oh, my goodness. Um, I had like three questions to ask you, and we didn't even talk about it, which is good okay. because it's more fun we're just chatty. Do you have any final thoughts about Biden, Harris, where you think things are going to go?
2: I mean, I think I think they are an administration of under-promise and over-deliver. Mm. And yes. so my sense is that At least for the next year or so, up until the midterms, you're we are going to continue to see them sort of, you know, what was the Churchill saying? Quietly, big stick. I don't remember what it was. But I I think softly and carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're going to continue to be the administration that expresses their goals but doesn't overpromise delivering on them. Yes. So yeah. that, that's what I see happening from them. Yeah. I, I don't want to prognosticate past the midterms because
4: who knows? I know No, after the midterms, yeah. we, we don't yeah. know. L- l- like no, um, um, the NFL draft was this week or part of it was this week. And there was this, all this sort of speculation and intrigue heading into about who the 49ers were going to pick with number three. And if they were going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, who was the quarterback and they asked the coach, Kyle Shanahan, are you, what's going, is Garoppolo going to be the quarterback on Sunday? And, Shanahan said, "I don't even know if who if he's going to be alive on Sunday. I don't know who's going to be. So <laughs> I, I feel that that's the thing. The midterms. We can't even. We can't yeah, speculate. I can't
2: even like <laughs> yeah. just vote. No. Just you know,
4: yeah. go to the polls. Uh, vote. Oh, one more thing to add yeah. before before we sign off. This is this has nothing to do with anything. But Merrick Garland. I found out. Okay, he and I have the same birthday, which is November thirteenth. Okay. So he's he's twenty years older than me exactly, and he is a Scorpio motherfucker." And even Glenn describes him as a quiet killer. That's a direct quote, quiet killer. Oh,
2: so, that.
4: you know, the well, ultimate.
2: At the ninth, so I know the Scorpio. You know the
4: Scorpio type. If you're the listening, here's the, the ultimate Scorpio character in any movie ever is Michael Corleone. Right. So, so yeah. just watch the end of The Godfather and imagine that he's a good guy, and not a bad guy. And that's what Merrick Garland's got. All right. That's like my it. prediction. That's it. And, and whatever. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know no, if I'm wrong n- next year we'll be in I don't know some where uh, Cyprus Luxembourg Sweden. we will have moved to Sweden yeah my Sweden.
2: my yeah. mother will adopt you and your wife and your kid and and we'll all uh, we'll <laughs> go to Sweden
4: oh that that's good that's how we should sign off say say something in Swedish
2: I totally
4: agree with whatever it was you just said I said uh, I
2: said thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and it was truly fun to talk to
4: you. I, I actually then do agree with those sentiments.
2: <laughs> Jennifer
4: Reitman, publisher of Dame Magazine. It's, what, is it Dame Mag or Dame Magazine. No, Dame
2: Magazine.com.
4: D-A-M-E, Magazine.com. Go check it out. Thanks so much for joining us. Fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Jennifer Reitman, founder and publisher of Dame Magazine. I told her after, I'm like, you really should have your own podcast. You're a natural at this. I mean, Day Magazine does have podcasts. I'm like, you should do one. So I don't know if she will, but if you want her to do a podcast, maybe at her, just at Day Magazine and say, Jennifer Reitman should do a podcast. That's my advice to you. Speaking of podcasts, if you like this podcast, please help me out and subscribe I know I sound like some like 12 year old doing a YouTube channel, but it really is important to subscribe to the podcast and to download it and tell your friends to subscribe and download. You know, downloads are like the thing that controls the thing that everybody looks at. So the more the ep- the episodes get downloaded, uh, the closer I am to having ads on and, and sustaining this as a, as a business model and all that kind of stuff. So if you would be so kind as to do that, it would be spectacular and thank you. The other thing you could do if you want to support what I'm doing is go to my Substack, Prevail, which is just gregoliar.com, and subscribe to that if you haven't done so already. That also would be terrific. And those are the two ways you could help me out. One of them costs a little bit of money, one of them is absolutely free. So that's where it's at. Okay. We're going to be right back with my next guests, Joni V and Candidly Tiff, two of my k Kamala friends from back in the campaign, and we're going to break it all down for you. So enjoy. And we are recording. I've got two of my favorite Twitter people here. I've got Joni V. And I've got Tiff. How you guys doing?
1: Good. How are you?
4: Okay. Um, We're doing all
1: right.
4: Yeah. I should I should I not say favorite Twitter people? Should I not use the Twitter? Does that cheapen it? No. The, the the modifier. I, I don't know. Um, Actually,
5: that, that works for me. Okay, <laughs> it works, works for you. Too. I
4: don't I don't, I don't yeah. want you to think that that you know I love Twitter. So that's not a cheapened kind of you know thing to say.
5: Well, I, honestly, it's the only way we know each other.
4: That is that's also true. true. It's yeah. also true. Um, So I wanted you guys to come on because we're recording this on April 27th, which is the 99th day of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris being president and vice president. And I wanted to touch base and talk about, you know, 100 days is traditionally when they give the old report card about how a president is doing. Like, I think in Trump's 100 days, he managed to do not much I, I don't know did he do anything other than piss us all off
1: yeah muslim ban let's see what else um yeah, yeah we didn't we didn't quite get to immigration yet but definitely the muslim ban was in the first hundred days because i in was in the first pissed. two days i think yeah yeah i was pissed he, with that
4: yeah
5: he logged 511 lies by this That's time true. too official oh, lies.
4: official yeah. lies i think also he, he released his taxes he rolled out a great new health care plan that was, like, beautiful. It, it really was beautiful. <laughs> and he told us all about um, Melania Trump's actual immigration to the United States. We, we knew all, all this stuff. And his medical stuff was really – oh, right, now, of course, he did none of these things. He did not much of anything. He played a lot of golf. So um, let's start there. What do you guys think of Biden so far? Well,
5: Johnny, don't why don't think... you start? Yeah, well, actually, what I think is amazing about the first 100 days is just – the breathtaking speed uh, that he's rolled certain things out and how completely personal the agenda has been for the average American. Like for me, within a matter of a couple of weeks, he did something so impactful in terms of prioritizing uh, small female business owners. And, uh, And that was enormous. And I'm not alone. Small female minority businesses and getting them in front of the PPP program. It was incredible. What about you, Tip? What do you think?
1: Oh, uh, I—I mean, I think it's been great so far. Um, of course, vaccines. I feel like that's the thing we talk about the most: mm-hmm. vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. I think that was like one of the things that was rolled out from the beginning. But I mean, the fact that all of my family has vaccines at this point—my um, daughter's the last one. She also got her fourteen hundred dollar check. Oh yeah, no So that was <laughs> good. I mean, ARP. What else can we say? I mean, it was a great a great rollout of that plan. I mean pretty much it's gone off without a without a hitch. I mean there's been a few little things, but for the most part, I feel like the 99 days has been pretty darn amazing so far.
4: I, I agree. I, I am of the opinion that now I think we and we'll talk about this in a few minutes how we got here and who we actually, the three of us actually wanted to be president, who is the vice president right now, and maybe probably secretly pulling the strings maybe a little bit behind the scenes and w- whisper it in his ear, certainly. But I kind of thought Biden would be a caretaker kind of president and a, all right, he's going to kind of unite all the people and he'll throw out the A-team of Democrats to do the thing. But the the thing that's impressed me the most isn't even necessarily the stuff he did because there was so much stuff that needed to be done. And we had not had a functional federal government for four years, I mean, at all. And when you suddenly have a functional federal government and you didn't at all, it's pretty easy to rack up wins quickly. What's What's amazing to me is him, the person. I mean, he's so the antithesis of what Trump is. And he's such obviously an um, a genuine caring person and he just gives a shit and he knows yeah. how to handle grief you know a lot of people have died and yeah. he he kind of comes out and and you can see it on his face he knows he knows what people are going through who are grieving and he cares deeply and I hate to say it I don't know you know I don't think anybody else would have been quite as as good at that including Kamal I hate to say it but uh so I've been blown away by 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 that whole thing I just think it's it's amazing. And, yeah. you know, getting back to both both of your points, Joni, you said personal, you know, he did something personally for you. And of course the vaccines and the check in the in the mail is personal. It's very rare, really, when you think about it, that a politician does something like that, that actually impacts you personally in a positive way. And he's already done it. He's already affected pretty much all of us. I mean, a year ago, we couldn't go outside.
5: Well, it's it's his intention to touch every American personally. That's the way it feels. It's like from the vaccines, from the economic policies, the the American Rescue Act. It's just he has found a way in different ways to touch all Americans, even those that didn't support him. Yes. And yes. and and in ways, you know, making sure that the cash got into pockets as quickly as possible. Things like this that, you know, can impact the most cynical eye and possibly bring people on board, you know. And I mean, his approval ratings, which have been holding very high and very steady, I think are a reflection of that. He He's really, really touching people in a way that we haven't seen since you know, great society programs, decades, since before Reagan. And that's been the part that's been most swift. It's almost like within 100 days, he's managed to undo some of the destruction that has been in place my entire adult life. And to me, that's, that's just incredible. I've waited yeah. my whole life for this
1: stuff. Yeah, same. I think. I think to your point, Greg, the the empathy piece of it is really important. I think we've had. I would say even in the last like 50 days, we've had so many tragedies.
3: Yeah, it's
1: not just COVID. I mean, we have these, you know, these police incidents that are happening. You know, we have you know this the the, the guns and the the shootings, and mm-hmm. I just feel like that day when he came out um, with Kamala and they did. The um after the, the guy in Georgia shot up at the, the, the massage parlors, I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I think we all kind of felt it that day. Like this is out of control. Like we're getting back to where we were before and just him coming out and with Kamala and just kind of like calming everyone down. I thought that was really a really important moment just kind of just showing like solidarity and like, this is where we are. And then of course the next week, you know, something else happens. And it seems like every week since then something else happens. But I feel like it's also because he's so empathetic and because he's such a positive person and so is Kamala. And he does rest a lot on faith. And I think that's really important to people. And even if you're not a believer, I still think that makes you feel like, okay, there is still hope. And so I think a lot of people have related to that. I know I have. Um, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but the fact that he can just come and calm everyone down and say like, look, I know what happened. Even after George Floyd, you know, the whole conviction last week, I thought it was really important, his statement just coming out and like speaking to the nation. Like, I like that. I miss that. Just, you know, Barack did it, but he didn't do it as much as I feel like Joe maybe is doing it now. Cause I feel like we really need that. Like we're in a bad place. We don't want to admit it, but we really are in a bad place. And he's like kind of, just there to console us. As they say, consoler in chief. And he really is truly that to me. Yeah.
3: He's no, a real
5: feeler. Yeah. yeah.
4: No, yeah. you're right. He's we're, we're in it. We're a nation in trauma. We've been traumatized for four years <laughs> of Trump. We've been traumatized by Trump being overtly cruel. We've been traumatized by the MAGA followers, just being assholes all the time, just racist, sexist, garbage assholes. And, 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 throwing your face in it. It's, it's always the, the Trump people. I live in upstate New York in one of the bluest towns in the country. And I still, you drive around the next town. I, I took a kind of roundabout way home from work. You know, there's some big flags that guys have out. it's always on the crappiest houses and you know, that they have this big fuck Biden flag. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? And then there was another one that said like, Biden is, they had these hand-painted signs, Biden is illegitimate and um, Democrats equals communism, which makes no fucking sense. Um, But we've been bombarded with this shit, this crazy, stupid, ignorant, banal garbage for four years, plus the pandemic, plus the insurrection. I mean, it's all of that. It's just, it's so much to deal with. That yeah, we're in, we're traumatized. Apart from anything else, we're we're just we do need somebody to come in and and kind of put our you know put his head on our shoulder and tell us everything's going to be all right. And some people can do that, and some people can't. And he has
5: that quality, the gravitas, whatever. He's clearly using his own experiences with grief to be able to say, say, and no, this is what we need. We need stability. We need concrete actions. We need to know that we don't have to worry about the future because the essence of anxiety is worrying about the future. And he's basically making sure that there are concrete steps, well-articulated plans, things that he knows, probably from his own personal experience, help him through a cloud of grief and trauma. And uh, what a benefit that is. I mean, to have the two, he and Kamala, the two most empathetic leaders in, I can't, I, I, I have no idea. And I feel like I feel like his whole legislative agenda reminds me of Kamala in policy form. Like, it's just like, you know, everything that she is um, and so much of what she articulated on the campaign trail um, has been reflected in his agenda. And the part that is uh, what I think is breathtaking is his security the security of a, of bringing kamala in in such a visible and impactful way allowing her to be the voice of a moment for instance a week ago after the verdict was read he he allows her a big, big piece of his administration to the point of saying they call it the Biden-Harris administration. I've yeah. I've never yeah. heard that before. I mean, that to me, that is the mark of an incredibly secure, uh, highly experienced leader, a real leader. And uh, that's that's an amazing thing. You were talking okay. about
4: the the um, Kamala on the campaign trail and how um, what Biden is doing is putting some of her administrative agendas and stuff in place. Could you guys talk about that a little bit? Because I want I, I refresh our memories about how this all went down.
1: I mean, it feels like that was so long ago. And I know. Yet it is. It is certainly not that those two years from 2019 and even before that until now it feels like ages ago. I think we've all aged probably at least five years in that time. No it kidding. Like it. But yeah, I mean, just from the beginning. I mean. Just, just look at the cabinet. Let's just start there. Just look at the cabinet, okay? It is the the most diverse cabinet that I've seen ever. Yeah. And so that you could tell just from the people that have been picked, that you could just see her influence and how you know she's like, hey, Joe, we got to get Absolutely. you know this person, Benita Gupta. That was definitely a combo pick. Like I could, I could. Her hands were written all over that one. And so that's that's the first and foremost. Just seeing the cabinet is definitely just it's a very much a reflection of who she is and and how she how she is and so I definitely appreciate that. I mean we haven't gotten into like healthcare of course that's a big one but I can definitely see you know kind of where we're going in terms of like just the way she's inclusive and how she you know how, well, we're we're going to get to that point where we talk about healthcare and I feel like that was like a big sticking point you know during her campaign but we're moving. And I, I think we're in the right, going in the right direction. I mean, as far as like, I'm trying to think of some other things that, you know, were essential to her campaign.
5: Well, um, criminal justice uh, reform. Criminal and, justice, and, you know, yeah. and and that's just it. It's like, um, you know, so many of what I, I guess what really strikes me is how much Biden has adopted her, not just her intentions, but some of her language, too. You know, when I, I remember when he said justice is on the ballot. You remember this? <laughs> yes. like, I, I was blown away. But I mean, criminal justice, you know, and, and equal justice has been a defining piece of her campaign. And, you know, clearly the events of the day, the, the horrific police actions, you know, and also now we have the Justice Department following up with some consequences for that and these are pieces yeah. that to me are really a big piece of of Kamala's you know perspective um and there's so much more i mean so much more uh, you know the way that she talked about uh, maternal health uh, black maternal health um or even just uh, the economic you know her economic ideas and you know what i mentioned was a personal thing for me just supporting small businesses instead of being overlooked constantly in favor of, you know, larger efforts. Um, these are these are all the things that drew me to Kamala in the first place. And one by one, they're coming to fruition in the Biden administration. I mean, it's extraordinary.
1: Yeah. And the thing, what, what I also have noticed, too, is a lot of her plans that she had when she was in the Senate are now coming into like, let's say, the ARP or they're like. The, so, for instance, the infrastructure bill that water bill that's included in there. That was her idea. That was her, that was her. Yeah, that was all her. So I see a lot more of what, so during the campaign, you know, we had the, every, I think everyone's favorite moment is that Iowa speech when oh, she yeah. came out and she, you know, she she just kind of just went there and she just went at it all. And so I feel like, you know, that's where it kind of started to feel like, okay, we're we're getting somewhere. And then of course, two months later, or three months later, we were like, "Okay, now where are we?" I don't even. I think it was probably like a month later that she ended up, you know, dropping out of the race. But at that point, it felt like, "Okay, we're getting somewhere." Like she's yeah. embracing it all. Like we're yeah. finally getting there. Yeah. And then
5: it was but the electricity. But,
1: yeah, but even then, I feel like after she after she left the race, it there was so much more that she did in during that time period, and I see kind of that more reflected in what she's doing, and you know, with with Biden more so than what she was doing in the campaign, if that makes any sense. So like from the time that she left the race, I mean, she jumped into impeachment. She kind of like jumped into, of course, we had, you know, just a bunch of, you know, COVID came in and she was nonstop like on shows and she was nonstop on radio. She was going everywhere. And she was just talking about the issues. And I feel like all of that has carried over to where we are now.
0: Like she never
1: stopped working. (laughs) It's insane. She never stopped working from December. I mean, she's been working before that, probably campaigning, but it was a different mode. It was more like a hey hey guys, I'm here and this is what we need to do, and this is where we're at. And it was just like she does now, she's talking to the people.
5: She relishes the surrogate role. Yes. Like, you know, and, and that's just it. Let's face it. This is her strength. It's a little tenuous for Joe. And so it's nice to have Kamala always there, just completely electric, vivacious, and, you know, just, she she just brings people on board by sheer force of personality and, and magnetism. And, you know, the two of them have this wonderful balance of this, where Joe has this, you know, hard-earned, empathy and and authenticity and and kamala is a very authentic person too obviously but it's just that they can balance each other and hit all of the right notes um for for all americans it's, it's really pretty amazing to watch and no. I, I don't believe joe could have won without kamala or kamala without joe i agree, and so, I agree.
4: Yeah, it that's, worked a, that's, out a, great. that's a good point. I want to one of the reasons I want to go back and talk about Kamala is because the Republicans are terrified of her and they've already kind of and we saw this a little bit in the campaign. They they've started to f- try to figure out how they're going to attack her. When I was writing the five part Kavanaugh speech, I had to go to. Mark Judge's uh, blog, which I don't encourage you. <laughs> and you could already see they're kind of workshopping ways to hit at her. You know, the, the the Kamala is a cop thing, which never made any sense. It's like, OK, well, even if that were true, the president is a criminal. So maybe a cop would be good to
1: have. Yeah, that was a good yeah.
4: strategy. <laughs> um, but they're going to come for her. And I think one of the reasons why Biden is showcasing her now is to get everybody used to the idea that she's actually really competent and very involved in what's going on and to identify her with all of the success early on that he's having. So, you know, if he run, if he doesn't run again or if something happens and she winds up being, pre- I mean, lots of things can happen. And Joni, we, we, we discussed this during the campaign, you know, there's oh, so sure. many, when you have a president who is old during a pandemic or a candidate, I suppose, at that at that time, the actuarial tables are, you know, not maybe on your side so much. So I think Biden is aware of this. And I think he wants to put her in a position not only to succeed, but to make everybody know that she's succeeding.
5: Yeah, I mean, so, to see through whatever garbage they're, you know, whatever screen they're creating for her, that we'll be able to see her shining through it. And, and they're clearly taking the right track. I mean, I, you know, you don't want to use the word like like apprentice, especially apprentice. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, she's being set up. She's being set up as an heir apparent, and it, it and it's apparent, and that's okay. I mean, I think it works.
1: No, I agree. They're they're going to try everything under the sun to try to peg her as like some kind of bad woman, or you know, she has all these. Today, yesterday was the book. So did you guys see the book where they said that she that they had someone took a picture of her book that she has, like the children's book at like one of the migrant centers, which was and they said they were she was giving them away or something I'm like it's like they come up with these crazy things like the week before she was missing, even though we could clearly see her. So it's <laughs> like, where do you guys come up with these things? Like they always have something I think I don't remember. I think it was Steve Scalise had a. milk carton and it showed that she was missing. I'm like, like, you really, you came out of, you went to the Congress, you got this, you got this milk carton and you're walking around with it. Do you guys know how silly you look? I mean, I just don't understand where they get these crazy ideas from because the thing is, like you said, they don't have anything policy-wise. They don't have anything. They can't really say much about her past. Like what, what are you going to say if she's a cop? I mean that we know where that came from. That didn't even come from, from that side of, of the aisle. It came from the whole other to the left, way to the left um, with that. So it's like wh- what are you what are you gonna do? I mean what are you gonna say about her? So every week they're gonna make up something new, but I do agree just having her out there and being so present and the fact that she's working on the border, like that was a big that was a big deal to me in wanting her to be the vice president. like I mean as a Latina, I was like, okay, this is my person. She is my person to be VP. She gets it. Like she has a relationship with the Latin community. Let's get her to be the, you know, that was one of the many reasons why I wanted her to be the VP after she dropped out. Um, you know, just her relationships, you know, in, in Vegas and, you know, talk with the, with the culinary, um, union. right. And right so yeah. it's like all these things that I just saw in her that I'm like, oh man, she's, she's going to kill this job as she gets it. She's going to be amazing as VP and it's, it's actually coming to fruition. And I, I, I love it so far. I mean, there's not anything that I could say that they could have really done better except for like, just, just putting her there in that position to be, you know, the, I guess the liaison or whatever, whatever they call her, um, you know, she's the VP obviously, but she's kind of working with the, the Northern triangle com- um, countries So just seeing her there, I mean, she had her meeting yesterday, it was yesterday with the Guatemalan, I think it was president, like she's out front, she's there, Joe is trusting her. And I think that's what we all we wanted was for Joe to to see what we saw in her, which was that she's amazing. And she could do multiple things. And she's not afraid to just jump in and, and help as anywhere she can.
5: Well, as opposed to Jared managing the portfolio oh my God. of all of the world's problems, you know, we've got somebody like Kamala who, you know, can take on immigration, is uniquely qualified to do it, you know, and is, at, you know, just she she's so good at what she does and she has enough background to pull it off. And so, I mean, that's just it about this administration. Instead of just unbelievable ineptitude, we have this wealth. Of uh, competence. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard uh, to
4: get used to. It. After four years of, I mean, complete clown car bullshit. Like we had <laughs> when Rick Grinnell, okay, was the DC, whatever he was, the, the the director of intelligence guy. He's the um, head of all of these, you know, all of our intelligence services. He tweeted at me. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and that's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what? what? Are you doing? And as the world gone completely mad? Then, after he left the job, he blocked me because Snowflake. Oh my God. Um, well, he
5: elevated you and lowered himself. Just yeah, like that. it's
4: punching down, but not really. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just crazy. But one of the things, I, I, we're going to take a break in one second, but when we come back, I want to go back and talk about the campaign because it'll be interesting to go down memory lane. But also, one of the reasons why I liked both Kamala and Biden was that the Russians went after them. They didn't go after anybody else. The two candidates that scared the shit out of uh, pedo Putin over there were Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. So we're going to be right back with Joni and Tiff, and we're going to talk about this. I'm former FBI assistant director, Frank Figluzzi. Join me on a journey deep inside the world's premier law enforcement agency to decode the mysteries and challenges
3: of today's FBI. In his first-of-a-kind podcast, we'll sit down with active-duty FBI personnel who reveal their mission, their cases, and their lives.
1: The commonalities that we're looking at with the Highway Serial Killings Initiative are dealing with the long-haul trucking industry.
4: These offenders, as they plan, prepare, and consider for their attack, don't do that in a vacuum. Even if they end up alone at the end, that doesn't mean they started off alone.
3: The pattern of this bedspread, what stores it would have been sold at, an outlet club, tips that lead us to possibly identifying that victim. Let's go inside the Bureau with Frank Figlusi.
4: Okay, we're back with Joni and Tiff. Now, okay, like you said, Tiff, before, it, it feels like the campaign was like 80 years ago. I've I've gotten it confused with the first Clinton campaign in my brain, Bill, not Hillary. And it it, it just feels like time has, has lost all meaning here, but I think it is instructive and maybe it'll be fun to kind of, uh, what I'm curious about is going back and what you thought then and what you think now about various people. Cause I was, I, I wanted Kamala from the, from the get go. I don't think I remember even entertaining anyone else. I like Gillibrand cause she's my Senator in New York. And I like that. She was very, very much on the uh, you know pro-woman, pro-families campaign. I think she ran a good campaign in that standpoint, but uh, she was never going to win. I, I just, I wanted a woman, person of color, terrific, someone who's Gen X, please, God, <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> Enough old people running things. That's what I wa- So I was like, she's perfect, right? And when she dropped out in December of, uh, well, I guess December of 19, I got, I went to lunch and I came back and I had like 30 million DMs because everyone was offering me condolences. It's like, what happened? I was like, oh no. And I grieved for 24 hours. And then I was like, okay, I'm Biden now. And I think almost every single person that was for Kamala had the same cycle of grief of, okay, we're sad. It's Biden time. Did you guys feel that way? Or was there, what did you, what did you think at the time?
1: OK, so for me, it was like so from the beginning, it was all I, I love Kamala, even before she was, you know, announced that she wants to be president. I was, but I didn't really know a lot about her at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, I like her. You know, I saw her in the Kavanaugh hearings. I saw her, yeah. you know, tear up um, Jeff Sessions. I was like, yeah, she's my girl. So I was like, that's she, she's the one that I really am going to focus on. But of course, you know, we didn't get Joe until like April, which was which took yeah. a while. It took a while so it, at that point it was like Kamala then you know Liz was in Bernie that was never gonna happen uh so I was like this is that that's not then Pete got in and I was like oh he's pretty he's a pretty interesting guy but then there was like a whole drama in his city and I'm like yep yeah, nope not for me but he's still like he still seems like a nice guy so I went through kind of the motions with all of the candidates then we had the first debate and I was like, "Oh boy, this is going to get real interesting." And I remember just kind of tweeting about it, live tweeting. And when she, when she, you know, ha- said what she said to Joe, which we all know <laughs> was the biggest controversy ever in life, um, I was like, "Okay, she's the one. That's my girl. I'm going all in for her." Um, I did like some of Liz's plans, like her uh, family, you know, her childcare plan. I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, she wasn't for me. So then here we go. The whole campaign, we get to December and I'm like, all right, Kamala's gone. What am I going to do now? Meanwhile, the whole time during the summer, my dad is like, Joe's going to win. He's the guy. I'm like, OK, yeah. dad. But like, can you like Kamala, too? Like, he's like, yeah, I like her. But Joe's the guy. Kamala's going to be his VP. Just watch and see. He already knew. And I'm like, damn it. But you got to like Kamala. So finally, we get to that point. So I, when Kamala dropped out, I was like, you know what? I like Joe, but I still have some issues with him. But then this is what happened. So I said something happened with AOC and I was pissed that day. And the bros came after me. And it was like a week after, it took probably like a week after Kamala dropped out. And, you know, I was like, you know what? Now I'm pissed off. So then I created a hashtag and I was like, Team Petty for Joe. And that's when it all started. So that at that point, I was like, "I'm for Joe. We're gonna, be, we're gonna be team Joe, and we're gonna be petty, and we're just gonna go all out for him." And that's kind of where it all went. And then I just jumped on the Joe bandwagon, and here we
5: are. For me, it came about a little differently. Well, I mean, I was for Kamala from the get go. Let's just make that plain after she announced. But I did um, because I came from a political family. Almost all of my siblings had had a pretty big, a decent sized hand in a presidential campaign from a statewide aspect. And so it had been kind of a family language for me to be around these things. And so I remember writing this thread that was basically, you know, without naming any names, this is what we need in a presidential candidate. And, you know, we need somebody who could, you know, who can take on Russia, you know, somebody who has, you know, these various attributes. And I just went down the list. And at, by the end of this little thread that I was writing, it was obvious that to me, anyway, that there was only one candidate that actually Met all the criteria that I could dig up for that, and um, and it was her. And uh, the way that I've always addressed uh, my involvement in a presidential campaign with a candidate is just all in. And I'm not necessarily pretty about it either. I'm I'm a warrior. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind going after. Um, you know, I don't mind the digging up the dirt if it needs to happen in a way that is manageable and, and, you know, not ugly. But I just mean, it. I didn't support this idea of, you know, when we had 20 candidates on the agenda and nobody should be mean or you know, nobody should say anything bad about this other candidate. No, I was going to point out the words of anybody, including Joe, is, you know, was mainly because I felt like, to me, I was incredulous that here it is. 2020 and we're talking about a guy who's almost 80 white guy yeah. as a presidential candidate and to me you know uh that felt wrong in the moment um it, you know obviously the lo- the further we went along we we could tell that america wasn't ready to do any differently for whatever reason but so i i definitely poured my heart and soul into Kamala's campaign i mean i volunteered 60 hours a week here in seattle and i I worked really hard. Donated all I could. Um and and so when she dropped out, it it I swear to god it was like being dumped by a lever. I was just like fetal <laughs> on the couch, you know? I mean, watching rom-coms and weeping. I mean, I was just it took me a little while. I did not wake up in 24 hours as Greg did. I wish I could have. I I I could not get behind Joe. I I still was Um, You know, I had a hard time with this is where we are today in 220 with this 80 year old white guy, but we had a real threat in Bernie, the idea that, you know, possibly in some way, potentially you know, make it impossible for Biden to get the or anyone else to get the nomination just as a pure spoiler, you know, because that's all he knows how to do. And um, and so like there was I believe what happened is all these other candidates got behind him and got behind Biden in order to shut out Bernie, because that's what we had to do to win the election. And so um, by the time uh, Kamala came out endorsing Biden, and by the time all the other candidates were lined up behind him, I was on board, too. But I have to say that he's won my heart in a different way since. Like, sure, of course, I was going to be open hearted campaigning for Biden-Harris. But I have really, really liked the way that he has developed, both as a candidate and, of course, as a president. He um, He's really won me over. And I was surprised by that.
4: Yeah, I, I I agree. And I, I should make clear when I say I got into the Biden camp, it was purely thinking Kamala dropped out out of the blue. Obviously, she's got to deal with Biden. This is right. what it's going to be. So I might as well get on board with this. And he'll just be kind of a um, she she can kind of climb on his back to get across the river and then she'll take <laughs> take the hill, you know, kind of thing. But I, I agree. I've, I've since come around on him and. Uh, Really, by the time of the certainly by the time of of um, the DNC, which was on Zoom, I guess, uh, over the summer, um, I was full on liking this, the guy um, and really appreciating who he was. And we have we do have a history in this country of, of people who have failed at other walks of life or haven't. You know, Abraham Lincoln tried to do a bunch of different things he didn't get into the house a bunch of times he he didn't he lost this election lost that then he was president during the Civil War and it's like who else could have done that but him um, and Grant was the same way as, as the general you know he just sort of not the guy they thought is the guy that wound up uh, winning the, the damn war for us so uh, you know Biden's a guy that you looked at his resume and thought oh my god he's you know he's he's run so many times he's never he's never gotten any amount of votes. People don't really like him that much, whatever he's going to hill thing is, is problematic or was for me at the time. You know, I don't know. He just he, he he's really come through in a, in a major, major way um, and surprised me for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the only people that weren't surprised by him were the people that liked him from the beginning. <laughs> like yeah. my like my dad and, you know, older black folks, they just kind of saw what we may have not seen they knew where we were as a country. And I think, you know, my my dad is like, is he just turned 60 that year. And he's he saw it. He saw where we were as a country and where we were coming from with Trump. And he's like, Tiff, he's the only one that's going to be able to beat him. You do see where we are. And I'm like, Dad, but I really like Kamala. He's like, no, trust me it's going to be Joe. So I think we, we maybe like, maybe like older millennials, you know, Gen X, you know, we wanted someone that represented us. Whereas people that were older saw where we were as a country and knew that Joe was the guy. Yeah, And and it, it was pretty interesting to see how, you know, the different generations think. But then when you think about it, like the younger generation, they wanted like Bernie. And, and Yang and so <laughs> they saw something in them that we didn't see and it. I, I just think it's interesting of you know what people saw in all the different candidates to where we are now and I think when I think about like Pete I'm like man he's doing a great job like he's learned so much in the like the two years that he's you know from the from the campaign till now and I just see I like to see candidates that had growth so like I from um, because so for him I definitely have seen growth um, even his, even his, his, his following, the people that support him, have you know evolved, and they see they kind of are where we are, you know, where where we or we as you know people that were K Hive or people that you know supported Kamala, they they're kind of where we where we are at that point. Even Amy, I mean, if you think about where we mm-hmm. were last year, you know, after she dropped out, we were like, Amy got to go, we got to get rid of Amy out the race, but she has evolved a lot, I think, too, um, after George Floyd's death. Um, I just see her like championing so many different, you know, things, HR one for the people act. She's like on top of it. She's on top of George Floyd act. Like she's really got in the trenches. And she's kind of, you know, where Kamala was when she was in the Senate. I feel like Amy's there now. Like, I mean, they're different people, but I feel like she's she's going hard. Like she's like, yeah. I'm going hard on the on the black issues. We're going to get we're going to get this stuff done. Because honestly, if we don't get the for the people act, the next election is going to be a disaster
4: it might be the end of it might be the end of the republic i mean where there's no no thank you for bringing all of those people up because these are people that i want to talk about too i i i I always kind of like klobuchar although she doesn't have the that kind of vitality on the stump that some of these candidates do but i mean who cares she she seems like she's sort of like the de facto senate majority leader at this point i know schumer has the job but i feel like amy's doing all the work behind the scenes maybe that's that's just my impression And as for Buttigieg, I I always kind of liked him, but I was really worried about the Facebook connection. And I don't know, he was with the McKinsey people and I don't know what his deal was. But every time he talked, I liked him. And man, he's been fucking great. He goes on Fox News and just destroys them. I could watch, I don't, I never watch these clips. I get so bored, but I could watch him destroy those Fox News people like constantly. It's like, just put this right in my veins. And he's doing a great job with what he's doing now. Looked like it wasn't going to be a big deal, but with the infrastructure bill coming clearly is going to be a big deal. So he's also going to be a force to reckon with, I think, in the in the days well, ahead.
5: It's a good example of somebody like, you know, so he wasn't the candidate. He's actually in a great place right now, yeah. you know, for for us, you well, know, for him to develop, for us to get to know him, because he he has, you know, he to me, he had a quality on the campaigns trail that was, I don't know if it was pretentious. I'm not sure. There was some affectation that he was dragging out on the campaign trail that irritated me. Oh, I know what uh, it is.
4: I know what it is. Do you want me to tell yes. you? I think he, I think that Buttigieg and Beto watch tapes of Obama talking and try yes. to talk exactly uh, like Obama. They're uh, like trying yes. it's like, stop doing just talk like yourself. What are you doing? Stop. Yes.
5: No, I know. Yes, that was it. And whatever, whatever it was, it was irritating. However, who he is right now, what he's doing right now is bringing out the real Pete. That's the great part. Mm -hmm. Like whenever people can just be their authentic selves. That's the great part. And, you know, this whole lineup, all of these candidates, with the exception, there's a few noteworthy exceptions. I, I am not warm to elizabeth warren i'm i'm not appreciating oh, yeah, you know. this payoff student debt thing you know like beating that drum you know in advance i'm not saying that's not an issue that's really important to a lot of people but i feel like it's a read the room timing thing in terms of let's face it come on we need to keep people alive right now um get people <laughs> vaccinated you know i i don't think fifty thousand of student debt is you know the first place to jump you know but I just thought it was really interesting to see who the team players were that mattered to me, like to see the people who could put their egos aside (laughs) and get behind what needed to be done to win. And God, I mean, we all must've been shocked by how, how wildly close it was. I never dreamed it would be as close uh, like, you know, that we barely beat Trump. I mean, I, I, I was convinced that he would, He would not be on the ticket. I was so convinced. I swear I wanted to bet on it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it. but there he was hanging out to the end, uh, being as horrible as he could possibly be. And yet he he came very close to winning. And so, you know, back to your um, dad, Tiff, he was right. That was the man for the moment. And we haven't come that far. But I have to say that that hurts. It hurts that we haven't come that far, To you know, to be able to have. Uh, a different candidate at this time. However, um, what is, I can't remember, you know, we were talking about Biden being like the rickety spaceship that gets us to the new planet. You know, like he, <laughs> yeah. he's getting us there. You know, Biden got us there and he's going to keep us there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to get a whole lot done. I mean, if this is what 100 days looks like, just imagine after the first year. I mean, really incredible. No, it's, it,
4: it, it's yeah, because a lot of the stuff is crisis management at this point. It's not even implementation of policy per se he hasn't done much with um foreign policy yet he's done a little bit but not as much as we would like and i know that that's coming because he's i would like to think that he's going to hit back at putin harder than he he did hit at him with the sanctions i'd like to think he's going to hit at him harder since it's personal because he dragged hunter into the into the whole thing but i remember to your point joni about you know we're not ready we're really not ready yet like i wrote and i wrote something at the time saying that, that that argument was like, you know, Leanna Ray saying the only way to beat a, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And it's like the only way to beat an old white guy is with another old white guy. Yeah. And does it really have to be this way? But apparently it did. And and who told us this was, was the black community who elected yeah. Biden. You know, that's yeah, a, right. it wasn't even me who had that realization. And thank God that that, that was because the Bernie thing was way, way too close Yeah, it was scary. It was scary. That guy can't.
1: Yeah, I blame Michael Bloomberg for that. Because when he jumped in, I was like, oh, my God, here we go with this foolishness. Like, why did you have to get in here? And so that kind of like the field just kind of like crowded. Kamala was out. Then it was like you know, uh, Castro was out, Booker was out. It's like, all the people of color are gone. Like, what is happening? Totally. It's like one by one. And here we come. And here's Michael Bloomberg. There she's in, yeah. And we, and that month of like February, you know, people were really contemplating. I remember we were in our group chats and it's like, okay, should we go for Biden or should we go for, you know, it was like that week before South Carolina and everyone's freaking out, especially my California friends. They were like, who are we going to vote for? What are we going to do? And it's like, are we picking, you know, Bloomberg or are we picking Biden? And then magically, not so magically, though, Jim Clyburn swoops in and it's like, Mm -hmm. he's our guy. Biden is our guy. And then it's like the whole thing shifted. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because and especially after that debate, it was like, I mean, I is not my fave, but you know, her and her and Bloomberg like clash like the Titans and then. Pete was right there too, and he was like, "All right, well, I'm going for I'm going for it all here." I think <laughs> somebody had posted like a video of the debate, and I'm like, "Wow, this was I never realized how good of a debater he was until I oh, rewatched yeah. those debates." I'm like, "Damn, he was good." So, I mean, I, I guess that, that the, the whole primary was looking back on it. I think to your point was very very interesting. We definitely got to meet some good characters. We met some not so great characters <laughs> in the mix, um, but I think. You know I think a lot of a, a lot like I said to, to your other point about um Amy, I do think she's the de facto um speaker. Right. Like or, <laughs> yeah. or majority leader. Like yeah. I've 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 been saying it from the beginning because I can see how she's working and I'm like, okay, yeah, she's definitely doing the work behind the scenes. I'm like, can somebody like get her in a room with Mansion? And like let's let's figure this all out. But I, I definitely think that We've definitely seen a lot of growth with a, a lot of the candidates, even with Biden. I mean, he's definitely grown. He doesn't make gaps as often as he used to. So yeah. they've kind of got him in a space where he's comfortable. And I think that's what comfortable, but not too comfortable, which is a good thing. Like he still knows his limits and he's speaking to us like we want to be spoken to which I think is awesome because I don't, I hate a Trump. I mean, I literally couldn't stand looking at his face, Yeah. even in those press conferences. I mean, he talked to us like we were nothing. And so it's nice to just have him there, like Biden there. Even today he was on TV and he was talking, you know, about the CDC changes and he was just, he put his, he put his aviators on. I'm like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> you, you know, we can relate to that. Like he's normal. He's like a normal person. Unlike the last guy who was a freak. Yeah. So we're definitely in a good place.
4: An evil mobbed up Soviet owned freak. Great. Yeah. Uh, not a good not a good look. Speaking of Soviet freaks, thank God Bernie did not did not get on board because that and I get why the kids liked him, because the things that he promises sound so great. You know, like we're going to break up the banks. We're going to have free college. We're going to have free health care. We're going to have On SNL, they did. We're going to have free refills at all participating 7-Eleven restaurants of Coke, you know, but like who's going to pay for this shit, dude? And then he doesn't know what he's doing, that they're trying to pass the American rescue bill and it's hinging on. They need it not to be about the the wage increase because then it doesn't go around that loophole that lets them actually vote for it. And Bernie's like, we're going to do the $15 minimum wage. It's like, what are you, if you actually care about that, this is not the time to do it. This is the time that you, you could get on TV and sell a couple more books from your idiot fans, but it's not the time to actually get anything done. So I don't know. Um, the, The biggest surprise in the entire campaign was that Bernie actually did
5: go and support Joe pretty enthusiastically. True. Only because he really doesn't like women, you well, know, that's he, true. and he's a narcissist. He, he likes another old white guy. That That's him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Very he wasn't going to get behind anyone else.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: You know what yeah. I would like to see in Joe's, I mean, back to the Joe's hundred days thing. If I can, if I, if yeah, I can, yeah. um, I'm ready for justice. I mean, oh, I'm ready. God. I'm ready to see some forward motion, some hints, that there's there's consequences coming. I know they are. There are. I mean, when we saw, you know, that Garland's nomination, his background in particular, you know, you know, it's coming. It took a long it took a while to get him in there. You know, it's coming. But we're 100 days in and I just need a hint of it. You know, I I'm happy about all of these amazing things that are happening already and what I know to be in the pike for what will come, um, those are the kinds of things that I feel like I can sit back and relax knowing we have competent governance and go, okay, it's rolling along. But the part that I feel agitated about still is needing to see justice coming. Yeah, I, You know, this whole Matt Gates thing, now, where is that? Like, I swear he was going to be, you know, hauled in any moment, but it just, I know it's coming and I know it takes a while, but I'm ready to see it.
1: Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about, think about this. I mean, we, it took so long to get Garland even confirmed. Yeah. I mean, yes. the, the Republicans did everything that they could. I mean, even Vanita Gupta, Kristen Clark, I mean, they're fighting, they were trying, I mean, they know they, they're not going to win these battles, but they were going, Tom Cotton had to drag drag it out as long as he could because he's just that asshole um and it's just like come on guys like you you know that we have a, we have the majority so let's stop playing games and he, they're making chuck and a lot of people don't get it because I, and i get it they don't the senate is such a mess with all their procedures and all these different things that have to go on so it's it it's just nonstop. of like everyone's like when is it gonna happen like what is gonna and then finally they get in there and then today i was i was shocked when I saw um, for the, um, the the guy in North Carolina that got shot, I think it's Andrew Brown, I think his name is, um, that the FBI is involved in the case. I mean, yeah. like the fact that they jumped in so quickly, yeah. I'm like, that is amazing. Like, if it was Trump, we like no one would have even gone into this. Gray would have been like, nope, I'm not. I want nothing to do with this. So I'm seeing glimmers of hope on where we can go. I mean, um, Garland had announced the two patterns and practices this week. So it was the in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, and as well as in um, what's the other city, Um, Louisville. So I'm seeing it happening. I just think, you know, a lot of times progress, it doesn't happen as quick as we want it to. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think that's where we are. It's like, we want things to happen immediately. We want it to happen now, but it's all about time. And so I think now that they're in there, we kind of have, a, we actually have a DOJ. It's not an acting person. Which yeah. We had so many of those. Or so both. So I feel like we're finally, remember we had the toilet guy. I forgot his I forget that. Whitaker. Guy Matthew Whitaker. Oh my God. He was yeah. the best. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've, we went through four long years of DOJ nightmares. So I feel like we're finally getting to a place. They're getting settled, and I do hope Matt Gates is, you know, takes a plea and is out of Congress as quickly as possible because he's ridiculous.
4: I had and and we should we should close on this. We'll, we'll we'll I'll talk about this and then we'll go around the horn one more time before we close because we're almost out of time. In terms of justice coming, I had Glenn Kirschner on the show a couple weeks ago, and he he assured me that Garland is the real deal. The fact that they chose him and not somebody else in that in that job means that Biden wants justice to come because he would have picked somebody else if he didn't. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, when is, when should we start worrying that these fuckers are going to get away with it? And he said, not yet, not yet. Mm -hmm. Give it time. Exactly what you said, Tiff, give it time. It takes time. He's new. Lisa Monaco just got in there. That's another name. She's Mm -hmm. the deputy. Everyone loves her and thinks she's fantastic. So with that said, there have not been any consequences. There have been none. I mean, yeah. even the people that Mueller got,
0: Manafort,
4: Stone, <laughs> Flynn, they've all been pardoned. It barely even went to jail. It's its insane. And when people look at what happened and think there's no consequences to this, why not try to, you know, have an insurrection? I mean, there's nothing's going to happen. There needs to be consequences. And I said, I tweeted this a bunch of times when they kept blowing off the subpoenas. Remember, like the house would issue a subpoena and then they'd be like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not doing the subpoena. All they need to do is arrest one of these fuckers or take their money, which they're allowed to do. And they'll line up to get in there because they're all cowards. So as soon as one of these fuckers gets indicted and as the book thrown at them, cough, Matt Gates, cough. And I would like to see him tried for breaching the skiff. That was him. Absolutely. That was him and Scalise. Yep. Put him in jail. Absolutely. That's a felony. Put him in fucking jail. Uh, as soon as that happens, that's when the pendulum is going to swing. And when the pendulum swings back at them, that's where the ax blade is, yeah, right? Because it's going it. to chop them all down. Guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, do you have any any closing thoughts about Biden, maybe what, uh, Biden-Harris, what you might want, want to see in the next year?
1: Oh, for me, oh. I, I mean, I definitely want um, the George Floyd, Justice and Peace um, Policing Act to be done. I hope Cory Booker can get on get on Tim's good side, bring him some chocolate. I don't care what he has to give him. <laughs> take him out to dinner. Just get him and his and ten people to please vote for this. Um, we need this. Like to your point, justice. It may not be what it, it's accountability. We really need yeah. accountability for these police officers. I mean, for the people act. Is very important. I definitely want to see that pass. And I know these are two things that, you know, the Biden Biden Harris administration are champion championing D.C. statehood would be awesome. But that's a pipe dream in my mind. Um, and I just want to see immigration, like, just be fixed. Like, I just I'm so tired of it. Yeah. It's like it's a never it's a never ending. I feel like we've been talking about immigration since I've been a kid and I'm 40. So I would like, I would like something to happen on immigration. I mean, I, I feel for the DACA kids. I shouldn't even call them kids, but I know that's what we call them. They're grownups, most of them now. Um, so I, I mean, they should definitely become a pathway to citizenship. This needs to happen. So I definitely want that. I mean, I work in healthcare. So obviously, um, you know, the ACA is important to me. I definitely want that to be a priority Um, when the time comes and my favorite thing is infrastructure, although I don't speak about it very much on my Twitter, I definitely love infrastructure and I definitely want bridges and roads to be fixed. How, I feel like we've been talking about that since Obama days. Like I remember Chris Matthews used to say, and I know not everyone likes Chris Matthews, but he used to say the way to win elections is bridges and roads. We got to win 2022, right? So we got to get stuff done. And that's one of the ways. I mean, people like to see stuff happen. So if they see you working on the bridges, they see you working on the roads, they can get some broadband. They can get checks. I mean, people got checks. And I think that was really important. So a continu- continuation of seeing things that are tangible and feeling them, like we said, feeling them w- impacting our lives. Yeah, And I think that's the most important thing.
4: Broadband infrastructure. You mentioned, and broadband is a key part of infrastructure because when when these red states get broadband, if they have vaccines, broadband, and money in the bank, that's yep. Yeah, Trump didn't give them those things. Anyway, yep. Joni, what do you think?
5: Well, you know, I have to say, I am excited about infrastructure too because um, you know I, we've been we have been watching really actually you know, we haven't seen any investment in this in in decades. So you know, clearly that's a big deal. Uh, I can't pretend that the whole idea of healthcare uh, improving on ACA or, and maybe even lowering the age of Medicare, which I think is a great idea. Uh, again, back to things that are personal to me. I mean, you wouldn't believe what my premiums look like at my age. And it's like, you know, I'm ready to see, um, you know, some distinct improvements on that things that don't feel like a gift to the insurance companies. Like I, it mattered so much to me uh, that they um put a cap on premiums that were reasonable that was a really big deal in the recently passed legislation that that had a that had a big impact and um but more than anything i want to see equity i want to see this idea that we're finally going to be holding people that have been dodging taxes for years and companies dodging taxes for years to a fair you know a fair contribution i mean we've been we've been holding up the show. The middle class has been paying just wild amounts of uh, percentages of their income. And so um, I just think uh, I thought one piece of news this week that said that we're on our way to that is that Biden is asking for, I can't remember what uh, figure from the IRS to go after wealthy tax cheats. And I was just like, it's a bad time. Go after the wealthy tax cheats and uh, make it so that we're not collapsing under the weight of, you know, a disproportionate, um, obligation. So those are things that I'm really excited about. But more than anything, um, honestly, justice. I mean, justice from equal justice or, um, under the law to um, you know uh, dealing with um, you know this sick problem we have with police in our country um, and going after the criminals that were part of the last administration. I would say justice is is my big deal.
4: I'm going to agree with you on the justice piece. I absolutely want that. DC statehood would be pretty great too, because that would give us two more senators, which would be exactly. I'm Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and they should have representation. I lived in DC, you know, for a little while. And you, you know, there's it's not fair. It's ridiculous. That's not what this country was founded on. Come on now. This has been great, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can we find you on the Twitters?
1: Mine is uh, at T I F Y three three zero, Tiffy three three zero or candidly Tiff, which I definitely am. Um, so that's where you can find me on Twitter or uh, same, same name on um, IG as well.
5: And I'm at Joni V, J O A N I E V E E 1, at Joni V 1 on Twitter. That's me.
4: Okay, guys, follow Tiff, follow Joni. Thanks for listening. You guys, thanks so much for joining me.
5: Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Bye. It's been great.
4: Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fossa. Sophia Tarashenko provided the Russian voiceover. Thanks to Stephanie St. John for the narration. Thanks to Allison Gill, Jason Smith, Mackenzie Mazell, and everyone else involved with producing this podcast. Please subscribe to the Prevail website. Visit gregolear.com. That's G R E G O L E A R.com. Until next time, we shall
3: prevail.